you're going to hear the Word of God. That's always good. And part, like, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam and his wife, Hannah, they are the directors of Youth Alive in South Australia. And they are also the lead pastors at a church in South Australia called, uh, in Adelaide called Nova Church. It's just outside this, the uh, CBD of Adelaide. Uh, Pastor Sam is also the founder of Schools Revolution. That's a national initiative for Youth Alive where he, he goes out and he equips young people to win their schools for Jesus. Like, how amazing is that? Our young people winning them for Jesus. But seriously, I did talk to some young adults before the service who raved about the fire of God on this man's life, about his passion for Jesus, to see people come to Christ, to to see people not just come to Christ, but do all that they're called to do. So I would love you to stand to your feet as we welcome up Pastor Sam Long. Thank you. You are a fucking rocket. Oh, come on. Come on, let's really give the Lord some praise today. Come on, that's good for me, but let's just lift up his name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus, we honour you. We praise you. We give you glory today. Oh, so good. Man. I want to take you with me everywhere I preach. If that's the kind of introduction, I, that, that is so much fun. And, uh, man, I love your church already. This is, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a blind date this weekend because we haven't met each other. But your family already, and I just love your church. You are anointed and cheeky and powerful and prayerful, and uh, you, are, you are my kind of people. Uh, i got to say, it's such an honor to be here today. Thank you, Pastors John and Danielle, for having me. Come on, we just honor your amazing senior pastors and... And uh, I've had so many friends preach here at this church and all tell me it's amazing. So I've been a little bit giddy today. I'm excited. So Pastor Dave Hall says it's like a big dog on a leash. And if you let it go, it just runs here. So, uh, so I'm, I'm excited for everything God's going to do. You can go ahead and take your seats this morning, everybody. So good. Fantastic. Uh, I am joined, uh, my, my traveling companion is uh, the wonderful Isaiah Houlihan. Stand up, bro. Say hi to the church. He's with me this week. It's an amazing young man. <laughs> that, was, that was a very brief squat. <laughs> we're, still, we're still teaching him how to stand. So just pray for Isaiah. And he's, he's, he's really good at sitting in faith. So just... <laughs> Not standing in faith yet, apparently. So that's beautiful. Thank you, worship team. You guys can take a seat today. Hey, let's thank God for an amazing worship team. And Hey, so good to be here. Uh, my name is Sam. For those of you who don't know me, which is all of you, I am from God's favourite city in Australia, Adelaide, South Australia. And uh, it, it is great to be here. It's always very hard to accept a speaking invitation to the Sunshine Coast in the pits of Adelaide winter. It's very difficult uh, to escape. So thank you for that and uh, for thinking of my bodily climate. Uh, my, my wife is back at home uh, praying blessing over me and resenting me for being here without her. So uh, it's great 
it is great to be here. Uh, we, we do have the privilege of leading Youth Alive in South Australia. Three years ago, uh, we planted uh, a church called Nova Church in the CBD, and uh, our church has existed longer <laughs> with COVID than without it, praise God. And uh, But right through that, we've really just seen God do an amazing thing. We started with 12 people in our little living room a few years ago, and we now have over 300 people in our church praising God together. God's been moving in our universities and touching people. It's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. I thought I'd just show you uh, my little family that I left to be with you here today. Uh, I've got a family, a little family photo I can bring up. Oh, well, but that's, no, you can see that. That's me and my wife in year 12. Uh, that's us at our year 12 formal. And uh, I, I tell everyone that smile that she's giving there is completely fake uh, because she came to the formal out of sympathy with me. Uh, my high school girlfriend broke up with me two weeks before the formal, and Hannah was the only other girl I knew uh, at the time. We were in a kids' church band together called History Makers, and uh, I was on the keyboard, and she was a worship leader, and we didn't get along at all. I told her everything she did wrong, and so we were total arch nemesis as children, and her mum said to her when she was 14, she said, when you grow up, I think you're going to marry Sam Long. And she said, I will never, ever, ever marry that feral. <laughs> Come on, it's a testimony, but if you persist, men, come on, anything is possible for him who believes. Come on, there's, a, there's an anointing on this church for, the, for that. Okay, here we go. This is my family. Uh, this is Hannah, my beautiful wife on the left. She is better than me in every way. Uh, I, I don't think you can be a pastor if you don't know how to convince a pretty girl to marry you, because uh, if you can't convince a pretty girl to marry you, how are you going to convince anyone to come to Christ? So that's, that's my wife. And... Uh, on the left there, that is Shiloh Rose, our little, uh, she is this blonde hair, blue eyed, dainty little thing. She's got me all wrapped around her finger. She's beautiful. This is our five-year-old uh, on the right of me. That's Gabriel Blaze. He is a mushy, just tender, real feeler, loves cuddling all the time. And then this on the right here is our greatest achievement. We, we produced a ranger. <laughs> so that's amazing. So, uh, so he... Believe it or not, Shiloh and Leo are twins, but Leo is so much bigger than Shiloh that he looks like he ate her now. You can't actually tell, but he is our little firebrand. He is, he is everything you would think a redhead kid would be. He is okay until he's not. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's our family. Uh, and uh, it's great to, oh, I miss them just looking at that. So cuddles when we get home, it'll be great. Hey, I, I want to get into uh, the Word of God today. I know you are a Bible-loving, Bible-believing church. And uh, I, I want to preach to you a message on faith today. I feel like it's a life message of mine. I, I love to stir faith, step out in faith, impart faith. And so I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 14, verses 26 to 30. And it's got to be one of the most uh, powerful testaments of faith, one of the most common faith stories that we'd hear in Scripture, and I'm going to read this to you, probably at the risk of you having read it before, but who knows every time that we come to the Word, God speaks to us in a fresh way, that He has fresh revelation for us. So let's come with faith, with expectation to receive what the Lord has for us today. Matthew 14, 26 to 30 says this, when the disciples saw Him, this is Jesus, walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And of course, we know how the story ends. Jesus reaches out his hand, pulls him back into the boat 
uh, like a wet cat, and, uh, and the story goes on. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get into the Word today. Father, we just thank you for your Word. I thank you that your Word has power. It has authority. And Lord, we thank you today that as your Word is released, lives will be changed. People will be delivered. God, that whole trajectories would shift, Father, as your Word is released. We come ready to receive it in faith today, and we thank you for it. Come on, and a faith-filled people said? Amen. 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 Hey, who's a camping person here? Who loves camping? I don't get you people. <laughs> we need an altar call for people like you. Come on, who's, who's a hotel person? You love a hotel? <laughs> Look at you are my people. You are my people. This, this, we are family. Okay, I, I'm gonna, there were so many heads over here, so I feel led to this side of the room. I love hotels. I love all of it. Nice hotel. Come on, I, servants, fantastic. Uh, Beachfront. Uh, I love that you can leave your towel on the floor, and the next morning it's just, whoo. It's right back there. You, you leave your bed unmade and it makes itself. Come on, somebody. That doesn't happen when you go camping. What's wrong with you people? So I, I love hotels. I, I love all of it. I, I love the whole experience. I don't like camping. I don't like digging a hole to do those things. It's had enough of that when I was a child. So I'm a, I'm a hotel guy now. And uh, I, I love hotel because a hotel is where you go for a nice experience, right? I, I found out when I got married <laughs> very quickly that you can't treat your home like a hotel. You, you can't. If, if you leave the bed unmade, it's not going to make itself. The only thing that's going to be made is you, man. You know what I'm saying? You're going you're gonna to get made. You're going to get creased like a blanket. So <laughs> I found that out. Uh, I found out you can't leave towels on the floor either. That doesn't go well unless you want to be whipped by it. So I, I learned that. I learned that. I learned that there's a difference between a hotel and a house. A, a hotel is somewhere you go for a nice experience, right? It's somewhere you go for a nice experience, but, but a home is somewhere where you actually live. It's where you actually do your life. And this is something that I've learned on my journey of faith so far, is that faith is meant to be less like a hotel you visit for a nice experience. Once a week for an hour and a half on a Sunday, and a lot more like somewhere where you actually live. That God doesn't want faith to be something we tap into for a short period of a week or a conference or a, or a mountaintop moment, as important as they are, as necessary as they are, that God doesn't want our faith to be something we just tap into for a short amount of time. He wants our faith to be something robust enough for us to actually walk out and live in, in our everyday life. And it's something I can tell by being in your church for about half an hour today is that your pastors and your church are passionate about your faith actually making sense beyond this hour and a half that we have here. That, that faith is meant to make its way into your actual life. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says this, uh, 5 verse 7, it says, for we live, everyone say live, by faith, not by sight. God says, I don't want your faith to be somewhere you visit. I want it to be something you're walking out and that you're actually living in. Like that good old couch that's molded to the shape of your body, right? Somewhere where you actually, come on, all the old men said, yes, my rugby couch, you know. We don't watch that in South Australia. That was like me trying to be culturally relevant up here. Um, so, so, so the question is, how do we know that we're actually living in faith? How do we know that? I, I want to preach a message to you today simply titled this, how to know if you're living in faith. 
how to know if you're living in faith. And I want to pull a few things out of this scripture we read uh, with Peter walking on the water about walking out a life of faith in our life. I've got a few things I want to give you today, how to know you're living in faith. Number one, you keep doing things that make you scared. I love this. This hit me recently as I was reading this. Matthew 14, 26 to 30. Listen, listen to the words that the Bible uses to describe Peter's walk of faith. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Everyone say terrified. terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Everyone say fear. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately uh, Jesus said to them, take courage in his eye. Don't be what? Afraid. Everyone say afraid. afraid. So there's three really encouraging words that the Bible uses to describe Peter's walk of faith. Terrified, fearful, and afraid. Can I tell you today, the last time you did something that scared you in response to something God told you was the last time you were living in faith. I have found in my life that a faith that isn't scary is a faith that's getting stale. And I, and I would encourage you today to not go too long between doing things for God that scare you. Because doing things for God that scare you in response to things that God told you are the things that drive us to our knees and take us to a higher level of dependence and faith on God. I love it. I want to challenge you this morning, church. Does your life as it's currently lived require God to come through for you or would it make very little difference if he did or if he didn't? I love Peter's step of faith because when he steps out, there's two options. You're going down or you're walking. That's what faith looks like. We want to live the kind of lives, this is crazy, I know this is really deep stuff. We want to live our lives like God actually exists. We can be Christians in our minds, but atheists in our lifestyle. We, we live in such a way that doesn't require God to come through for us. But I'm telling you, say that's not a life of faith. I tell you, we had a really comfortable life. Uh, we were living in a place called Murray Bridge. And some of you were like, what's that? Well, it was a town. Uh, and the best way to describe it would be a place where teeth and shoes are optional extras. <laughs> it's wild. So we were running youth ministry there together for five years. Uh, the police had a scheduled drive-by they'd do every Sunday night for our youth ministry. There'd be drug raids in our toilet. There'd be people getting gutter stomped in the car park and getting saved on the same night. It was wild. And, and our youth ministry, it started with just a couple of kids and grew to hundreds of young people, most of them which were first-generation Christians getting delivered out of generational drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all this stuff. It was an amazing thing we saw there. Now... We were loving it because we were surrounded by a great team. We had great people doing great. And we were loving our life, happily doing it. And then we thought, well, we're married now. Me and my wife got married. We thought, let's buy a house. So, so we, we took all, our, all these houses to our senior pastor. We're sitting down in the office. We go, Pastor Josh, what do you think about this one? He goes, no. And what about this one? No. What about this one? No. And I'm like, wow, he really doesn't like our house selection. Let's go a little bit. So we went back and we come back. And he's like, what do you think of this one? No. And we said, Pastor Josh, these are all really good houses. What's your problem? He says, you're my problem. He says, he says, you're not living in faith. He says, you know there's something more in you. And then he starts prophesying. He says, there's a church in you. And he says, I, I don't know how to save this up. But he's like, here's $20,000. Ask anyone you want to go move to Adelaide and start a church. And I was like, nah. No, no, no. And then, then I made the mistake of picking up a prophet from an airport. 
never do that. <laughs> He's here a few weeks, Corey Turner. So I pick him up from the airport. I'm driving him along and he says, hey, Sam, sorry, this is so, as we're driving, I'm just seeing a vision. And he says, you're pregnant with twins. And he says, he says, one of them is Youth Alive and we weren't running Youth Alive yet. We weren't even the right movement to run Youth Alive. We were in a much more boring movement than the movement you're in. Uh, uh, called the CR, anyway, uh, so, so C3, I love C3. So, so, so we, were, we were in this other, we weren't in the right movement, we were, we were not anywhere doing anything that we were meant to be doing. So, so he, he starts prophesying, he says, like, you're pregnant with twins, and he goes, one of them is you for life, and I'm thinking, okay, and then he goes, one of them's a church, and they're going to be given birth to in succession and, and share spiritual DNA over the next five years. And the hairs stand up on the back of my neck, and I know God's speaking. We start travelling that year, and we're just preaching because of what God's doing in the youth ministry, getting some speaking invitations, really fun, going around the country doing all of that. And in every conference I go to, some crazy lady with cross eyes is coming up, there's a church in you. <laughs> and in one year, we got 14 prophetic words saying, move to the city and start a church. I'm like, okay, God, we'll do it. So we moved to Adelaide and we're trying to figure out how the heck we're going to do this. Country kids trying to start a church in the CBD. <laughs> and, and we're in this prayer meeting and Corey's back. Oh. And, he, and we're going around the prayer meeting. He's giving me around these prophetic words. He lays hands on us. He says, you're pregnant with twins. And I turned to Hannah and I said, is this the only prophecy this guy's got? <laughs> and, he, and he says, he says everywhere you look in this next season, you're going to see the number two. The number two is going to mark your life. Everywhere you look in this next season, you're going to see twins. Two, 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 two. Burn it into your heart. Burn it into your spirit. And Hannah turns to me and she goes, do you think that means we're going to have twins? I said, absolutely not. <laughs> we had a firstborn. We go to the ultrasound and the ultrasound man is there and he goes, is this your first scan? We said, yes. And he goes, <laughs> he says, here's your baby and here's your other baby. You're having twins. And Hannah looks at me and she goes, <laughs> and three months after our church was planted on the 22nd of August, Leo and Shiloh, our twin babies, were born. And now I've got to tell you something. That sounds so exciting, but that was the worst year of our lives. <laughs> Let me be honest with you. We started our church in a living room with 12 people, and they're mostly weirdos. Because weird people come to churches in houses. <laughs> they do. So we, we advertise as people start rocking out, I'm here for church, so all right, we'll take anybody. <laughs> We, we <laughs> and I tell you, I tell you, it was so hard. We had no team, we had no money, we had we had nothing. We were in our home, and then we were in a shed. And I remember, I remember praying, and 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 we had we had worship. And I'd get up, and there was more people on the stage than in the crowd. There was more nappies in our bin than congregants. It, not even God was there for the first few months. It was, and I'm joking. It, but it was hard. It was hard, and we we were terrified i got to tell you something. We were genuinely in fear because we were drowning. We didn't have resource. We didn't have people. We didn't have the support we needed. All we had was a word from God. All we had was faith. But can I tell you something? Just because you feel afraid, it doesn't mean you're not in the will of God. Just because it's scary, it doesn't mean it's not something God's called you to do. Sometimes God is going to call you to do things that scare you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I 
hear all the time people say, I don't have a peace about it. And I get the peace of God thing. I get it. I do. Because we get the peace of God on a decision. That's important. But what I've found is that just because you've got peace on a decision, it doesn't mean you're going to have peace all the way through it. I think Peter's out there in the wind of the waves going, I feel so peaceful about this. There's so much peace. I say to Hannah all the time, you'll be more peaceful not leading this church. You'll be more peaceful me coming home from work watching YouTube while you put the kids to bed. Peace. Peace is slippery. It's slippery. No, peace is our guard, but his presence is our guide. Come on, we gotta get peace on a decision. But when you step out, come on, get used to being afraid in what God's called you to do. Get used to talking to people that scare you. Get used to making business decisions that don't make sense in the natural, but God's on it, so you go through. Get used to witnessing to someone at your workplace and, and God lays it on your heart to talk to them and you go, no, Jesus, no, and you're scared, but God's in it, so you do it. That, my friend, come on, is a life of faith. It's doing things to make you scared. <laughs> it's doing things to make you scared. Number two, uh, you know you're living in faith when you keep saying things that don't make sense. <laughs> Listen to what Peter says to Jesus. Tell me to come to you on the water. If me and Pastor John went for a dip after this, he's not going to say, Sam, would you come to me on the water? <laughs> He's going to say, come, come to me in the water, because typically that's, we go in it, not on it. And I know it's kind of funny, but I was thinking about it. What other circumstance would it make any sense to say that other than Jesus' presence being involved? Because when Jesus is involved, we start to say things that wouldn't make sense if not for his involvement, come on, and his presence in the situation. There is no other scenario other than faith in Jesus that that would make any sense at all. And I've just found in my life that sometimes God calls you to say things that don't make sense. I remember one time I was on a plane on the way back from Brisbane, minding my own business, and it was 15 minutes into the flight, which, by the way, that's the timeout window on when you can talk to someone on the flight. If you don't talk before the first 15 minutes, you're not talking. It's weird to start a conversation after that. That's against plane etiquette. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says to me, ask him what church he goes to. I said to him, Lord, we haven't even established that he goes to church yet. That's a rather full-on opening question. But I feel in my heart, that's what I need to do. So I turn to him and I say, hey, mate, how are you? My name's Sam. What's your name? Oh, my name's Mark. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, what, hey, what church do you go to? And he goes, oh, I don't go to church. That's fantastic. It's, <laughs> it's a great word of knowledge. <laughs> oh, I don't go to church. And, and so we start, I'm just going, oh, okay, so... So what were you doing in Brisbane? And he says, oh, it's a bit of a long story. I said, oh, we got time. And he says, well, I was going to Brisbane. I've been having these really bad nightmares. So I went to see my, 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 uh, my uncle in Brisbane, who's a pastor, uh, to get him to pray for me because, you know, because my auntie said it would work. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, how did it go? So now nah, I still got him. Now nah, great. This is going really well. And, uh, and he turns to me and he says, anyway, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And he goes, no way. I said, yeah. And he goes, no way. And I said, yeah. And, and, and I go, why? What, what's so shocking about that? He goes, my crazy auntie was right. <laughs> and I said, what about your crazy auntie? And he goes, my crazy auntie, she's one of those praying ladies. And she told me I was going to meet someone on the plane on the way back who was going to help me through my problem. 
So the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up and I'm going, you know what, I've wondered, but God is real. <laughs> but, but I'm like, this is crazy. So he's standing there, so I start talking with him through, through. I'm like, there's these things called demons. You've got to be really careful about what you let into your life and what you're watching and what you're consuming and what you're listening to. And everyone in the row in front of us is doing this. <laughs> I'm praying for him and he's, he's just encountering the presence of God and getting set free on this flight. And, and, and I just have learned in my life that sometimes when you're living in faith, God is going to call you to say things that don't make sense. Uh, my children do it all the time. They say bye to inanimate objects, buy house, buy car, buy truck, you know. Jesus said, those who follow me, they're going to say two mountains be moved. As believers, so often when faith gets sucked out of our lives, we stop speaking to things and start speaking about them. And I've just learned in my life that sometimes there comes a time, and I feel this prophetically today, where you need to draw a line in the sand and stop talking about your mountain and start talking to it. Come on, faith has a language. I know the money is tight right now, but by faith, my God is going to provide. I know my children are far from God. I'm not denying reality, but by faith, that mountain's going to shift and I'm believing they're going to come home. Come on, faith has a language where we speak to that which is called to shift. We say things differently because Jesus is involved. That's why Proverbs says that death and life, come on, are in the power of the tongue. It's a weapon God's given us to use in our life of faith. Man, if you want to get cut out of my life, you just be a negative person. Just snippety snap out of my life so quick. I got, I like, life is so, life is difficult and challenging enough to be surrounded by people who speak doubt and who speak lack and who speak, this isn't going to happen and it can't happen and nothing's going to turn around. Snippety snap, gonskis. I want to be around people, come on, who are full of faith, who speak life. Snippity snap. Come on, just in the foyer today with negative Ned. Just stickity snap. Come on. You say things that don't make sense. Number three, you keep finding yourself in over your head. You keep finding yourself in over your head. (laughs) Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and I love that it doesn't end with this victorious walk where nothing goes wrong but just this walk of faith, and he sinks. And actually finds himself in over his head. Peter is walking in faith and finds himself in a situation greater than his ability to handle. Can I tell you, if you are only doing that which you know you can handle, you are not living in faith. You aren't. One of the worst bumper stickers to plague Kurong Bookstore goes something like this. God won't give you more than you can handle. I just haven't found it to be true. Fine, most things I can't handle, actually. My children came out, whoa, can't handle that. Started a church, whoa, can't handle that. Ask anyone who was used by God in the Bible, hey, did you think you could handle what God called you to? No. No, no, no. This is what I've learned, though. Everyone of faith God used in the Scriptures was given far more than they could handle. And I don't know who this is for today, but if you could handle it, you wouldn't need God. Not being able to handle what you're doing isn't a sign that you shouldn't be doing it. It's just a sign that you shouldn't be doing it without God. 
Some of you, you're finding yourself in a situation right now and you're like, I can't handle this. Don't pretend like you can't. God isn't calling people to, to have an overcompensated, inflated view of their own abilities and think they can handle everything. That's not faith. Faith is when we know, God, I can't handle what you've given me, but I've got you in my life. That's what you're there for. I've got you in my life. You give me the capacity. I've got you in my life. You give me the strength. You give me the energy. You give me the edge. God is going to give you more than what you can handle, but it isn't evidence that you shouldn't be doing it. It's just evidence that you dared not do it without God. Come on, mums and dads in the room. I don't know how to handle these kids. True, maybe you can't handle it on your own, but God is on your side, so you can. Come on, there are business people here today. I can't, I can't handle the stress I'm under. I can't handle what God's doing. Yes, you can, because He is on your side. You can handle it because God is with you. He's with you. I'm going to finish in just a moment so someone could join me on that double-decker keyboard. In our church plant, our keyboard's about this big. And our screen is about here. So Pastor John, if you don't mind, I might just take a piece of this every time I come and preach and build our own LED screen. That would be great. It's awesome. I love your church. Um, it's just a sign you shouldn't be doing it without God. All right. we, we got asked to take on Youth Alive at SA. I remember it was a really challenging thing for us. And, and now it's exciting. I love doing it. I love propelling young people and youth. I, I believe wholeheartedly we need a youth and young adult revival across our country. I, we're, come on, the greatest days aren't done for the church. And, and we're bleeding for that. That's why we're here. That's why we travel. That's why we do it. Because I want to see that released. It's a passion that's burning in my heart. And, uh, but, you know, it didn't start that way. You know, when, when you grow up in small places, sometimes those small places get in your mentality and get in your mindset. And I remember being excited about being asked to take on Youth Alive, but also really insecure about it. Like, oh, man, I don't know if I've got what it takes to lead a state full of cool city youth pastors. You know what I mean? I don't know if I can do that. I, I don't know. I don't have the, the, the network. I don't have the influence. I didn't grow up in a mega church. I, I don't know what to do with it. I, I, feel, I feel ill-equipped for this. And I remember we were at this, this conference and they announced that we were taking it on and everyone's going, yeah, woo, cheering us on. And, and on the inside of my heart, feeling really scared. And, uh, and Pastor Andy Harrison from Planet Shakers was preaching that day and, and uh, we'd just taken on. So he got all the youth pastors up on the stage to pray for him. He says, Pastor Sam, you're the new Youth Alive director. As I minister, why don't you just put your hands on him and pray for him? So I'm laying my hands on all these people. And I'm praying for him. And, and have you ever prayed for someone? This is just a cheeky confession. Pray for someone. And the words are coming out of your mouth, but something else is going on in your head. So I'm going, bless them. And I'm going, I should run away from this. Bless them. I can't do this. God, fill them. And I'm like, I don't belong here. And, and I felt, I don't know how else to describe it, other than a demonic presence on the stage with me, telling me, get out of here. You don't belong here. You can't do this. It's not too late to bail. I'm sitting there at the edge of a stage and I'm feeling this cold presence just coming at me like this. And I'm saying to God, I'm like, what am I doing here? What do you want me to do? And I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me and he says, run. And, and the best thing to do to get out of a word of God you don't want to hear is to make it a metaphor. So I'm like, yes, Lord, I will run for you in my heart. But I knew what he was saying. He wants me to run physically because I'm, I'm so afraid of what I look like in front of all these people. So afraid of looking like an idiot. So afraid I'm not enough. And, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit saying to you, I'm going to break the fear of man off of you today. I want you to run. 
I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, I don't want to. <laughs> Andy's there and everyone's there. Like, all the people I'm meant to be leading and impressing, you know, and they're all there, and I feel this, run, run, run. And so I think to myself, you know what? I want to break through. I want to live a life of faith, so here we go. So here's, here's all the pastors I'm meant to be leading. There's Pastor Andy, there's most of the youth ministries of South Australia, and here I go. <laughs> I just start running up and down the stage, up and down the stage, and all the, all the kids' heads are doing this like ping pong, you know? <laughs> and, and Andy's trying to host an altar call. He's looking back like, what the heck's going on? I get to the end, and I just, I stop, and I feel this enormity of the glory and presence of God come on me. And I felt this confidence well up on the inside of me, this anointing, this fearlessness to begin to step into the realm of faith. And I preached for next day without fear and something broke off of me. And I, I decided in that moment that I wasn't going to live like other people, that I wanted to live, come on, a life of faith. Come on, it is better to fail in faith than to fail to have faith. God, come on, is calling us to a higher level of faith. And I just feel today my assignment here is simply to believe for a fresh deposit of faith in your life. Faith for your family, faith for your business, faith for whatever it is you're facing, faith to be a witness in your workplace, faith to touch your university, faith to step into the realm of the miraculous. Please live like God is real because He is. Come on, please step into that, which God is calling you to walk out a life of faith. Come on, I wonder if we could stand to our feet. Come on, all across this place today. I really believe. Come on, in the name of Jesus, that the Lord just wants to release today a fresh gift of faith for your life, for whatever it is you're facing. I believe God is going to give you faith for that mountain, faith to keep walking, faith, come on, to believe Him for that which you are called to step into. And band, obviously you can join me here, here not right now. Here's what I want us to do. If you would say, Pastor Sam, I want a greater measure of faith today. I don't just want to visit church. I don't just want a, a hotel experience. I want faith to get into my life and into my thinking. If I'm honest, there's times where I'm a Christian in my heart, but an atheist in my life. And Pastor Sam, would you pray today for a greater measure of faith? I believe it's my assignment in prayer today to release, come on, a greater deposit of faith for whatever it is that you're facing. So today, if that's you, you say, pray for my measure of faith to grow. Pray for me to step into a gift of faith today. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. And I'm believing, come on, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on. But there is a fresh gift of faith coming on your life right now. There is a fresh gift of faith for your mountain, for your obstacle, for your barrier. God is with you. God is for you. He's not against you. He's going to make a way for you. Come on, in the mighty name of Jesus. Church, I want you to begin to pray. Come on, right now. Let's begin to stir up. Come on, our hearts hunger and our faith. Come on, an expectation to the Lord. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus today, I thank you, Lord, for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, for a fresh release of faith. I thank you today for mountain takers. I thank you today, Father, for great and mighty families being raised in the house. I say, let faith be your portion. Let faith be your portion. Oh, Father, right now we come out of partnership with doubts. 
We come out of partnership with every lie that we believe that you won't come through, that you can't do it, and that you're not enough. And today we thank you, come on, in the mighty name of Jesus, that faith would rise, breakthrough would come, and that this house, come on, will go from strength to strength as the people of God step into a greater authority of faith. Faith, faith in Jesus' name. I want you to speak but out of your mouth right now. I've got faith for this. Come on, just begin to declare that over your life. I've got faith for this. Whatever it is you're facing today, I've got faith for this. I've got faith for this. Come on, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, can we just sing for a moment together? Let's just release our worship to the Lord. Let's release Jesus our sound to Him now. Come on, that's it. Yes. Sing it out today, church. Come on. He reigns forevermore. Now song for all eternity. I see it. Come on. He's over everything today. He's over everything. Jesus Christ.